What what is transhumanism? Great question. Maybe see if you sum these two questions up, and then we'll go deeper into each. Maybe. Yeah. What is transhumanism, and why were you even interested to begin with? Yeah. Okay. So first off, what is transhumanism? A lot of the major transhumanists say that it's basically a cultural intellectual movement to radically enhance or improve humanity at different levels. So they usually talk about cognitive enhancement, making us smarter; physical enhancement, making us fit strong and so forth. They talk about mood enhancement, improving our emotional life, giving us more pleasant experiences.、Mm -hmm. They also talk about lifespan extension to make us live longer and、yes. maybe eventually forever. And then they also even talk about moral enhancement, so that we collaborate and we face these major problems in the world. Uh, as a society, and not so focused in ourselves. So, so、uh, right away, that just sounds like what we all want to do. We want to get better、yeah. in all these different areas of our lives. We want、right. to live all things being equal as long as we can. So, but so is that that can't be what transhumanism is then, can it? Well, so that's sort of the first stage, right? This radical enhancement and improvement. But most of the transhumanists say that we have to go even farther.、Mm -hmm. We have to think in terms of A post-human state, a superior species, and usually what they mean is that we're fully disembodied, because the big enemies for transhumanism would be sickness, suffering, aging, death, and that's usually associated with the body. This lump of flesh, in their mind, is what's really holding us back. So we need to get rid of that body and eventually achieve this kind of digitalized state. Where our personality is somehow separated from us, and along the way, these good aspirations—you're absolutely right. There are lots of great, noble aspirations to improve humanity. We all want these better characteristics, and that's that's great, no problem. But along the way, you get a healthy dose of eugenics thrown in there,、okay. and so sometimes the means are are questionable in this particular movement, and then that whole disregard for the body. Is I just think sort of inhuman because it doesn't speak to who we are as bodily creatures. So is there a spectrum in this transhuman community?、Oh, maybe、yeah. for lack of a better word,、right. because、uh, some of these things you just sort of hinted at sounded very sound very sci-fi and like、yeah. uh, you know with transgenderism it's like yeah well blokes will call themselves sheilas and mutilate their bodies I can see how、right. that could happen. Right. But I can't really see how we can be disembodied and live forever and why should we even take this seriously? This Yeah, there are definitely different shapes and flavors of transhumanism out there.、Uh, I think of someone like Ray Kurzweil, who has a has had a major position at Google, and he's a great visionary in Silicon Valley, and he's predicted publicly in Time Magazine and elsewhere that the year 2045 is the year where we will finally be able to live forever. And people of his mindset have this whole project where we will be progressively disembodied. So、I、at、see. first, we'll just have to. Think about computer-brain interface and、yes. coming closer to machine interaction. Then we're supposed to transfer a brain to another structure, maybe a better biological body or a robot. Then we'll map out your data, so you get all the information of your neurons, all of the information about your interests, your memories, your desires, your intentions, your dreams, and we'll get that data. And that data is basically who you are. That's Matt. Your data, a pattern of data. That's how a lot of them speak. 
If we can extract that data, we download MAD, and we can upload MAD everywhere. You'll be completely disembodied, and you can live forever that way. So that's the very futuristic version. But you know, there are more moderate versions of this. I think of someone like Julian Savalescu, major philosopher at Oxford University. A lot of the top thinkers on transhumanism are working at Oxford. And he has more modest goals. He says that we should think about how to harness technology we already have, like in vitro fertilization and embryo selection. So he says, there's a principle of procreative beneficence. By that, he basically means we should create the best children with the best chance of the best life. So you create a whole host of embryos, then you have a wider selection, you go through and you see, okay, which ones are defective? Get rid of them. Which ones have a better chance of the qualities that I might want, you know, the right eye color, tendency toward intelligence, toward athleticism. Once I make that choice, I can select among those embryos and hope that one of those implants and I can have a child in a more kind of reasonable, controlled way. So they're clear that we are nowhere near full designer babies. Like we can't choose all of these traits because we don't, we don't really have the technology for that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the desirable traits out there, like intelligence, athleticism, you can't just find one gene for it and kind of click it on. Like, here's the smart gene, boom, done. Yeah. They're polygenetic traits. So lots of genes interacting with each other in a really complex way. And these are traits that seem to be heavily influenced by our environment. So there's no getting around educating <laughs> your children. But there are certain combinations that seem to tend toward yes. the traits we want. So in this principle of procreative beneficence, I've got a wider selection and I can control things. There's a professor, Hank Greeley, at Stanford University, and he has proposed this kind of idea, and he wrote a whole book called The End of Sex and the Future of Reproduction. Okay. It's not the most romantic <laughs> title at all, right? So he basically says, the way we procreate now is really messy and hard to control and it leads to surprises and disappointments and so forth. So maybe we do the whole sex thing as recreation, but let's find a more reasonable way to create a better future generation. So that's why I say these eugenic ideas come around. And keep in mind, we're not talking about the future anymore. We're not talking about 2045 and being disembodied and being in the mm -hmm. network and so forth. Now we're talking about today. People have this mentality today that we should harness technology and use it. A lot of the transhumanists say that we are at a relatively early phase of the evolutionary development. Yeah. And so far, we've been basically the random byproduct of these natural forces. Mm -hmm. And we just have to accept what we have. But we are finally getting the technology to drive evolution ourselves. Yes. To drive it in the That's direction so we want to accelerate it. Yeah. I mean, all of this makes complete sense from an atheistic standpoint, doesn't yeah. it? If I were an atheist, I'd probably be a transhumanist. Yeah. It's our best hope. Technology is our best path to salvation. How would you define transhumanism, though, in a sentence or two? Because as you say, it's very broad. Right. Is it transcending our humanity? What it's is... trying to overcome our fundamental limits as human beings. Okay. And at first, we're just going to have to improve ourselves. We might eventually add capacities, mm -hmm. but eventually we'll get past humanity. What would be an example 
of, a, of transhumanism that we wouldn't consider problematic, or do you consider all examples of it problematic? Yeah, so I would say some of these goals of enhancement, of improving ourselves beyond the usual standard of health, are not necessarily evil. Uh, I don't think human nature is only a set of biological characteristics. A lot of philosophers who follow Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas, they point out that human nature is an intrinsically purposeful kind with certain functions. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with a reality that includes biology, but that is a metaphysical reality. It goes beyond the physical, right? So I don't think we have to enshrine our current health standards yeah. and say we could never have a better memory we could never improve our intelligence we could never seek to live for a longer time span. Years. Yeah. I i'm not going to enshrine that and yeah. treat it as somehow automatically sacred so i think we can go beyond some of these limits uh, when does it become problematic well that's a good question i think it becomes problematic when it starts to damage other aspects of our overall health so there's a big problem of cognitive trade-offs trade and say cognitive enhancement. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, you, a lot of some people want to take stimulants, things that are designed to treat certain conditions, right? Ritalin, it, it's meant to deal with attention deficit disorder. Uh, Adderall, it's meant to deal with narcolepsy. But if you don't have those conditions, now you have a greater concentration. Now you can have a greater wakefulness. Hmm. Big benefit of exam time is coming around, right? So, <coughs> yes, use that for something useful <laughs> to hold down the cloth. So there are benefits to this kind of enhancements, but a lot of times these enhancements in one area of our life come at a cost. Yes. So sometimes if you take a stimulant, one of these drugs, it might give you really great focus, which is wonderful if you're dealing with a simple task. But if you're dealing with a complicated task, you want to be able to move around and see comparisons. If you do something that builds up your ability to uh, remember uh, things long term, you might have more difficulty incorporating new information. So you become less flexible. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're doing something that helps uh, with these kind of simple repetitive tasks, you're also going to be inhibited in your creativity. Right, so you see what I'm talking about, these, these trade-offs. So sometimes we yeah. enhance in one aspect, but we actually miss out on another aspect. Yeah. And if we're remembering lots and lots of data information to ace our test, we're not necessarily forming intellectual virtues that yeah. are transferable that you can use at other times and other areas. So you might be sacrificing. So that's why I say the enhancement might not be intrinsically evil, right but it might not help you overall in your health or your other goals. I mean, I, in, in a way, we're, we're, we've already sort of become cyborgs in a way. I mean, this is not stitched into my hand, but I hear some people will even wrap it around their wrist. It's like this, yeah. the internet, and now right. you're tethered to it. Right. But, it, but so this is an example perhaps of something that is curing a condition of ignorance. Right. But we're already seeing the trade-offs. We yeah. can't do deep work. We can't reflect. Right. Uh, we can't have an interesting conversation about who won the last Olympics without someone having look to it look it up yeah. instead of the enjoyment of that process of conversing. None of that's a, maybe we're beginning to realize that's problematic. And so yeah. people are trying to find ways to back off from that. Uh, and perhaps that will happen as we progress in this transhumanism. 
Right, right. Yeah, so I think that Thomism okay. has a lot to say about transhumanism. Okay. Because transhumanism, as we've talked about, is very interested in making us better, improving us. It's not just going to settle mm. with the biological See, status ma ma quo. Maybe that's what this is, though, right? Like, in order to make us as good as we can be, we need to know what we are and what it means to be man. So, yeah. you know, there's Aquinas thinks of happiness as the fulfillment of our nature. And so the Blessed Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross is happier than right. a man taking drugs somewhere right? Uh, because she is who she ought to be. Yes. Uh, so I guess that's the question. Like, what is man? Absolutely. How do we become better? Yeah, so that's one reason why I'm so fascinated with transhumanism because in a sense, all of these questions about very new technology mm -hmm. has brought us to old questions yeah. about human nature, about our purpose, about goals in life, because they want to become better. That, that already implicitly implies they have some sort of at least vague idea mm. of the person and what improvement looks like. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've thought pretty seriously about that, about the human person, about goals, about fulfillment, about flourishing. So there are things to be scared about or concerned about, I would say better. We should be concerned about misusing technology, about doing damage to technology. We should be very concerned about eugenics and sacrificing the vulnerable for the sake of a minority of people who want to be better. We should be concerned about that. But at the same time, we should see that there's a really great opportunity to wrestle with these questions yeah. and remind people about who we are and who we're supposed to become. And a big part of that is virtue. Like, I don't think we can get away from virtue. And Thomism highlights that mm -hmm. through virtue ethics. So first there's a question of, is this enhancement good for my overall health? Okay, if there's no problem, go forward. If it's not preventing me from pursuing other goods in life that are non-physical, like knowledge, friendship, communion with God, okay, so far so good. But the question, I think always has to be asked, how are we going to use this? Yeah. Like, what's the prudent way of using this? Okay, example. Let's say we develop our memories. We have better memories through stimulants, through drugs, through other interventions. Great. I can use that better memory for facial recognition. I'm a professor. I've taught hundreds of students. One of the most frustrating things <laughs> is to meet a student I taught four years ago and say, hey, Great to meet you. you. We've met. Oh, I was your student. Oh, no, yeah. Yes, yes. Your course changed my life. Thanks, <laughs> you. Uh, so it's awkward, right? And it just doesn't show really the respect that person deserves. But I'm sorry, I'm limited. I wish I could remember you. I wish I could see your face and, and know you and remember all of that. If I had better memory, better facial recognition, it would potentially enrich my relationships. It would make me a better professor, a better spiritual guide, a better friend. Great, that's part of the good life. But I could also very well use that improved memory to get data about you and manipulate you. I could prey on your vulnerabilities. I could really toy with you and, and use you as a kind of instrument for my own ends. Yeah. I could be a great politician maybe. I could be uh, someone who's just looking out for myself. In that case, I'm not really living the good life. Yeah, I'm enhanced at one level, biologically, but I'm not living the good life. So that's what sure. we're after, flourishing. Thanks so much for watching. Please like if you liked and if you loved, subscribe.